Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. Hey gardening friends, we're all here. Ray, Faye, Bev, John... It's all happening, so let's get going. 94841927. Got lots to get through today. Some great chats, great guests coming in at the wheel since 6am. The dynamic duo, Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton. Cheers, boys. And our cycling DJ, Jim Crinan, wrapped up the breakfast show. And Jim will return at 10am with the classic 70s for you. It's the last official weekend of summer. No way. Or, or every way. And, of course, we've got, I think, uh, just looking ahead, I think there's a 38 for Wednesday. Let me just check that. Uh, yes, 38 and for Wednesday, then a 36 and a 34. So some really hot week coming up for us in our gardens. Have to look after ourselves and our animals. And Let's Talk Gardening is sponsored by Garden in a Bag. Free delivery and a free bag of your product when buying six bags or more. Okay. Let's talk well, about what's what's going on today. Well, We've got the, a frogman. We have got a frogman coming. And uh, I wonder if people are hearing the choruses around Perth yeah. for those people who've got ponds. Now, what we're going to talk about today, Ray, is the Beginner's Guide to Frogscaping. Yes. So I'm very, very looking forward to that. I think a lot of people are. So Johnny Profumo, we're chatting with him at 20 past eight. And we will learn all about frogs. He's the frog doctor. He is. Okay. And we also have a special guest coming in today from Kings Park Botanic Gardens. Kylie Shai-Gall is joining us in the studio between 9 and 10. Flora for fauna. Mm, Another favourite subject. I I always try and mix it up, Ray, but Mm -hmm. this week the planet's just... uh, Traversed, and it's all—it's all about habitat and cons- conservation. But yeah. on the other side, I like to uh, add some exotic plants. And today, I've brought in some cannas because yeah, they—they are good. one of the few things that are just powering away in mm. the garden at the moment, looking really lush. Yes, I have the tropicana. And I'm not sure of the name of the other one I have. The leaf is lime and green. Yes, uh, yes. That's beautiful contrast as well. And there are dozens of varieties. There there's are. Dwarf, and there's... I have the black one mm. as well. And uh, yes, there are. And there's one that new one out called Stuttgart. And the leaf is variegated and it has a, a pinky orangey flower. Um, yeah, there's a new one out. And... Uh, they are they are amazing. You've, I personally feel you've got to keep at them and keep mm. maintaining them because they can get very what I call scrappy. They can, yes. And the bugs like them, so I just got to keep on top of them. But as far as value for money, bang for buck, showy, uh, absolute wonderful filler. They can take over, so there are times like every couple of years you might need to go into a patch and there clean is it a out. Saying, the first year they sleep, yeah. Then they creep. And then they leap. Leap, yeah. Mm, and that so is what out. they do. But they're, they're a great 
plant to share with a friend. You know, you can you can pop them into the garden without doing anything to them at all and they will survive. But you give them a bit of food, a bit of love and a bit of water and they will respond with flowers. So if people have got large clumps up there now yeah. uh, and they're getting, the, if they have started to leap, go in, dig around the edges, pot up the others or just give them mm. away mm. to buy nothing groups and deadhead them. That's, mm. I think, the key for this week with the warmer I, temperatures. Yeah. Go out and spend 15 minutes just deadheading. And I did that during the week Mm. with mine and because a lot of them had very tall stems and the trick is to cut right down low at the base of the stem. Don't just sort of chop off the head. Get in right in low. And they just, you can be pretty rough with them. It doesn't matter. They just bounce back. You can mow over them too. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. So, Mm. um, but the colours you brought in today are just beautiful. I rather love the yellow with the orange speckles through it. That's that's lovely. And sometimes that'll get a, a red vein through the leaf Is that just right? to add a yes. little bit of extra interest. Yeah, so, but no, there are more and more varieties coming out, but they certainly are um, brilliant value, I think. And they're great in a pot too. You don't just necessarily have to put it in the garden. Well, mm. talking about frogs, yeah. you know, that pot could then be sitting in a tub of water. Because they love the water. They do. And that's what these ones are doing now. They yeah. they were getting a little bit hungry in their pots and I went, right, I'll fix you. Where and did I you put them? Put them in a tub of water. Mm. And they're just, they're powering away. Happy, they get as much as uh, water as they want and I do nothing else. And look at the blooms, Ray. I know. They're just, it's just a, um, a riot of colour, I like to call it. <laughs> now, we've got ticket giveaways today to the Kalamunda Garden Festival next weekend on the Sunday. It's at Sturk Park in Kalamunda. We're going to be giving away five doubles in the first hour, five doubles in the second hour. We're going to put them in the mail today to give us an extra day ahead to hopefully they reach you by Friday. Oops, that's me. Pardon me. I'll just turn my phone off. That will help, won't it? All right, we're heading to South Lake. Good morning, Nola. Uh, hi, Faye. Hi, Ray. Morning. morning. I'm good morning. I'm a lady that's now in her mid seventies. I have thirty roses in my front yard, and wow. I'm done. And I just wondered if you girls had any suggestions on how to get rid of them or what. What's the best way to go? You don't oh. want them anymore, Nola. No, I'm done. Done. I just, yeah, I have a bad back, and it's, yep. it's just getting yep. to be a harder and harder every year. So, yeah. Mm. Well, probably now is not the best time. If you're not in a no. hurry, I, I'd wait for a cooler break in the weather, uh, yep. and hopefully, someone who might be interested, who might be listening, we could. Probably uh, take your details if there is yep. someone who was prepared, maybe a contractor or someone who's got a large space who would come out yep. and dig them all up for you at one time. That would yep. be the best scenario. Failing yep. that, any of your buy nothing groups or are you on Facebook at all? Yeah, I just am now, yeah. Because there are there are local groups. There's South Lake Chat, there's Coburn Chat, uh, buy nothing for your particular area. Uh, there's b- different garden pages, but often they're quite widespread. But I, I think you, if you started with those couple or yeah, even made yeah. up a sign and put it on the front verge 
free roses. Yeah. Do you know um, what sort of yeah. roses they are, Nola? Do you have their uh, varieties? Uh, look, uh, they've been, they were old when I was given them and I've been in, in my property for over 20 years now. So I know some of the names of them, but not, yeah. not a lot. I've got yeah. a couple, of, I've got uh, three standards and mm. the rest are just not floribundas. You know? I know they'll be snapped uh, up. They will be snapped up. You don't have a problem with uh, relocating them. No, not, not no. At all. Mm. Can I leave my details with Bev then? Oh, or, you can. Um, yes, you can. And, and Anyone listening, if they have interest? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I'll put you back yeah. to Bev now, Nola. All right, then. Thanks both well, very good, much. Thank good you. luck with that, Nola. And But tell us, <laughs> what are you doing in the space after the roses? Because that becomes an well, opportunity. Yeah, well, it does. We've actually uh, transplanted a mango out the front because it's in full sun. We've run out a room out the back where there's full full sun. So, you know, it, and we've also put in a flowering plum. So it's sort of those sorts of things. Mm. You know, something that doesn't need the attention that the roses do. You know, you can get out and cut a few branches off them and prune them and all the rest. For sure. But they're not a day-to-day yeah. event. Yeah. No, no, yeah, not understood. anymore. As much as I love them, I, you know, you just have to become sensible at some point in time in life. <laughs> well, Tell me I think about it. as we get older and we start mm. to think about staying in our own homes and managing mm. our properties, mm. we do sort mm-hmm. of start to look at, at plants in the garden and, and wonder if the time that we're investing in them is is going to be sustainable and what we could yeah. do if we had that space. So, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is it. So yeah, that's where where I'd like to put a couple of like uh, peach flowering peach trees, or you know, out the front or something that's got a nice flower on it and all the rest of it, where you don't have to do a lot to the area. You know, just keep them watered and a bit of fertilizer every now and again, and prune a couple of branches off them if they need it. You know, that sort of thing. So uh, easier and my, maintenance. My, yeah, and my front property is on a slope, comes down off the road, so it's all terrace. But mm. you know, it just it just gets too hard to keep going. I, you know, I just can't climb in and out of it anymore like I used to. So well, and it's not necessarily safe for you to, Nola. So no, yeah, good no. plan. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, that's all right. Yeah, well, I'll, if you don't mind putting you back to Bev, I'll leave my details and people, if there's anybody interested that would be interested in them. Yep, absolutely. That'll all be right. Great. Thank Put you. Good luck, Nola. Right. Thank you very that. much. Bye. Thanks. Okay, bye. Yeah, okay. I think we can all relate to that, actually. I, I have a, I do, I have a bad back. I have a lot of arthritis in my back and I wonder where I'll be in 10 years from mm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know I can have operations. Does and I that... had a procedure done last year and apparently I can get that done twice a year and I will have to have it done. But I do wonder where in God's name in 10 years' time I'll be because of the arthritis that I have, which I've inherited. I, you know, I have great genes. I can say that because folks are away at the moment. They're not listening. <laughs> so, Ray, does that factor in your decisions when you're you're creating your garden? Not right now. No, you not just, right now. You have yeah. a different aim and... Mm-hmm. It's just purely it's just a, you want it's just what you a, love. Yeah, it's just yep. a thought bubble every now and mm. then. And when you hear someone like Nola, I think, well, yeah, I, it, it wanders through my mind, but I don't let it go any further. Well, I think we sh- we all need to yeah. have a think. Like someone yeah. asked me about my garden recently and 
with the changes that keep getting thrown at us. You know, like I had a plan. I wanted to be more sustainable, yeah. self-sufficient, etc. Yeah. So I worked at that for a very long time. Yeah. Of course, last year we had the wedding, so it was all quite um, well maintained. Mm-hmm. And at this point, you know, I'm sticking with that plan until yeah. I have another plan. And that, <laughs> well, the other plan will will factor in, you know, the bigger picture about our water, our water catchment use, yeah. uh, better zoning, better sprinklers, etc. Mm. So I'm I'm still in a transition phase. Mm. Um, I think we all are because I think with well, gardens, you are evolving, your garden is evolving. I'm forever tweaking things. Something comes out, something goes in. Uh, different ideas and yeah, just planning, plotting. You see, you get an idea with something you might see uh, on the internet or on TV or in a magazine, and yeah. And it does have to be a plan. You can't yeah. you can't change direction easily. It costs mm. money, a lot of and money. it has to be implemented. Mm. So yeah, it's, it does. It's really got to be well thought out. Yeah, gardening can be expensive. I find. Oh no. <laughs> Oh dear, yeah, that's sort of the understatement of the week, isn't it? Uh, Some of the things we get up to. Not talking about that. Oh dear, oh dear. (laughs) All right, let's head out to Ocean Reef. We're chatting with Paul. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Um, I've got a couple of olive trees, uh, pretty matured. They're about, mm, I've been in Ocean Reef for about 20 odd years. Growing very well, uh, but no fruits at all. I spend more money on fertilizer than buying olives. Ah, oh, okay, Paul. Right. Well, we need to have a bit of a plan. They're they're mature trees. They're in the ground. Uh, you've got a very sandy, slightly alkaline soil up that way. Have you done any soil improvement? Uh, all I did is uh, just fertilize with, you know, like a dynamic lifter or organic fertilizer. It's not uh, subject to any insect pets or anything. The, the, the plants look beautiful, and I trimmed it a bit, about fence high, about 2.4 meters yes. high. So the leaves are green, but nothing else. Okay. When did you trim them? Uh, probably about... Ooh, a couple of months ago. Okay. You may have uh, interfered with the flowering and fruiting cycle, I suspect. We've got olives on our uh, trees now. I, I know other people who've harvested their olives now. So possibly you've just pruned at the wrong time. So are they the trees able to keep growing without being pruned for the next 12 months? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yep. I, okay. I only trim because uh, I'm getting a bit frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what, you, what you've done, by giving them a trim, you would have in, encouraged some new growth and you fed them. Yeah. So that's all healthy. So you've got well-established healthy trees. Now yeah. you just have to leave them alone a little all bit, right. not, not trim them. And to a certain yeah. extent, keep up your feeding, but also uh, improve your soil. So... The dynamic lifter is fine. You could also use rock dust. Uh, You could use a clay and compost and also a mulch. But you know what? Olives are really tough. So if you were to keep the water up to them and the fertiliser like you've been doing, I I think you're on the right track. Right. There's no such thing as uh, fruiting olive and non-fruiting olive like a papaya tree. (laughs) No, no, they're definitely not in the same class. (laughs) 
so, right, okay. Yeah. Uh, one other question. Uh, I got a beautiful uh, golden shower for the first year. It gave plenty of flowers. It's beautiful. I want to get another one. What's the best way? Do you buy? Can you cut a branch and grow it or get a well-established one or how can I get it? Well, if you want to wait, you could try uh, growing from a cutting, but yeah. you... I'd this, go and get one. Yeah, of mm. course. Um, yeah, depending on how old you are. We yeah, were just exactly. talking about planning mm. for the future. So yeah. you, you spend the money, you've got the enjoyment now, and you can quite possibly get one that's in flower now in a nursery. In a nursery, yeah, okay. And do they come at about you know, uh, a metre high? or You can get all sizes, I'm pretty yeah. sure, if you hunt around. They're not that expensive, are they? Or they? It will depend like on the size. Yeah, you gotta pay your arm and a leg. <laughs> That's right. You you pay for the years they've sat in a nursery growing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All, right. All right. Thanks uh, for your call, Paul. When my olives are fruiting. Yeah. <laughs> Look forward to hearing from you. Thank you. Bye okay, bye. Cheers. Bye for now. Okay. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. We are going to be crossing right now to the frog doctor, Johnny Profumo. Now, Faye tells me he's actually on a boat. <laughs> Johnny, are you there? You're with Ray and Faye. Uh, yes, I'm supposed to be on the boat. We're just uh, holding off until we do the interview, and I'm looking over the lovely Wester Harbour in, in Albany. Oh, my wow. goodness. Well, thank you yeah. for that. We appreciate well, thank no you to the powers of modern technology. You're in Albany and we're in Perth. <laughs> yes, 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 good. I, was, I feel sorry for the fellow that did the uh, had the olives and cut off all the flowers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, well, lesson learned. We've yes, all made mistakes, we, yeah, haven't we? That's how we learn. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, so, Johnny, okay. you are known as the frog doctor. And mm. I was just telling Ray that it's interesting in your past life, you were a frog man. Yeah, yes, that's right. I was a Navy diver. Right. And mm. today you're heading out on the harbour diving. Yes, yes. Yeah, it never leaves you. Yeah, in some way or form, the, yeah. the frogs get you. <laughs> and so today we're going to do a beginner's guide to frogscaping. And, ah, yes, yes. And I was saying that mm. frogs are a sign of a healthy garden. And you kind of added to that um, by talking about an abundance of motorbike frogs. So I'll just hand over to you and and let you speak. Sure, sure. Um, so I guess the first thing with uh, frogscaping, uh, part one uh, for beginners, is, is knowing your frogs. Um, yeah. When I talk about uh, any kind of animals or any any part of the, your 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 landscaping, I like to talk about the the ecology and the biology. And so I've coined this term called theology, and it's kind of like looking at the religion of the animal. And so in today we're talking about the frogology. And um, so frogology is about understanding the biology. The first thing you need to know is just know the biology and the ecology of the animal and just say, okay, that water body, most people associate a water body with, uh, with frogs and they need that water to, to breed. That's why they want that water. 
but the rest of the time they're actually on land. The reason why they're on land is that they eat things that we call, well, insects and invertebrates. They eat insects, ground-dwelling insects mainly. And so you've just got to understand that part of your habitat garden or part of your habitat, your frogology, is, is about understanding those life cycles. So know your frogs for a starter. Mm. So we've got, in the metro area, you've got about seven to eight frog species. But the ones that are really um, easy to attract and accommodate are mainly the motorbike frogs and the slender tree frogs. And so they probably like the most amount of water out of the whole lot of them. And then you understand what's part of their life cycles that you've got to cater for. And that, that 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 time in the pond is about their breeding cycle and the metamorphosis. So... When you're setting up your pond, it's very important to understand where you're going to position it. And sunlight is very important for for your um, frogscaping. What now? I'll ask you a question: What the ta- what do frogs eat? Uh, snails, Insects? moths. Yeah, yep, and beetles and slaters and all kinds of things that we probably call pests. Cockroaches yeah. included. Oh, good. So they're doing your service. Yeah, definitely. So they're awake at night. And so whilst whilst they're awake at night, so a lot of those other um, kind of pests. And w- when I do my talks, it's like when, those, when, when you're sleeping, those frogs are creeping. It sounds a bit weird, but yeah. I, I often um, find frog droppings near my windows, you know, around the house. It's like yeah. they've been sitting on the windowsill looking in the house or something. Watching you yeah, sleep. exactly. <laughs> so when I, when I go out to school groups, I actually collect that frog poo. Yeah. And you put that frog poo in a jar and it dissipates and out comes the shells of different animals. So you can tell <gasps> what they're eating. exactly what they eat. Yeah. 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 And so you've got to make sure that you um, understand that frogs eat those kinds of insects. So what do tadpoles eat? Uh, algae, mm. uh, they're herbivores, aren't they? Yeah, they're mainly herbivores. They will have a bit of protein. If one of them dies, they'll get stuck into the other one. Oh, um, aren't they awful? Yeah, mm. but they're mainly, but you've got to understand what they eat. So mm. having sunlight is, is important, not too much sunlight. So your positioning of your pond, you need to look at um, protecting your westerly aspect, even looking at a northerly aspect. So you've got a dappled kind of sunlight uh, during the summer. Uh, full sun during the winter is is no problem, but that sunlight is there for algae to grow. And the, the tadpoles actually eat the film of algae that grows on plants, and that's why they're so important in the ecosystem because they actually um, allow the plant to photosynthesize a whole lot more efficiently, and so it makes a stronger um, system. So the, the more healthy your plants, the healthier the whole system is. So more oxygen and more nutrient cleansing and all the rest of it. So um, so understanding what frogs eat and what tadpoles eat and knowing that your positioning of your pond is paramount to those uh, tadpoles developing into frogs. Yeah. Mm. So and I guess so, what you plant around it to make it look good has yep. to also be uh, 
providing shelter and perhaps attracting yeah. insects yeah. that will exactly. come in at night time, I guess. Yeah. So what do plants do? Yeah. So when you look at what plants do, you, you, they anchor the soil, they provide um, oxygen for the wet, wetland in the wetland area, and uh, also they nutrient strip. Um, and the other thing they do is they perform, provide many sites for the frogs to call. So they, prov- you know, they provide that protection um, kind of facet. So when you're selecting your plants, selecting them for both your wetland as well as your dry area is really important. Um, and the water body itself uh, needs to have uh, logs, um, both uh, horizontal kind of logs. So motorbike frogs like to kind of bask in the sun and um, and then they want to be able to jump in the water or jump somewhere for to avoid uh, any untoward kind of animals, predators, I should say. And what, what are so, their predators, uh, Johnny? Oh, look, frog biomass, when I say um, biomass, it's like, the eggs and the tadpoles and the frog themselves. Mm. 95% of frog biomass is food for other animals. Mm. It's like complete protein. Right. It's soft. Yeah. So your birds, your reptiles, other frogs. So if you've got too many motorbike frogs and you try to introduce the smaller frogs, well, they're just going to be tucker for the motorbike frogs. So what do you do but, if you've got too many motorbike frogs? What? Oh, I... how can you have too many motorbike frogs? Well, <laughs> Well, that that's really great, you know. From a beginner, if you want to stay yeah. at, the, at the beginner's thing, fine. And if you're in an urban landscape, that may be the only frog that you can actually accommodate. Attract. Because, mm. yeah, because the motorbike frog is probably more of a generalist frog, and it's not as habitat specific as the other kinds of frogs. Right. But we'll get to that when we get to the advanced frogscaping. <laughs> oh. Which which, yeah. are, which frogs are the ones that hang out in the ground? Well, can we do that later? Because you're going okay. to start me down the road. Yeah, another there's... rabbit hole. Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. understood. Yes. I'm get distracted easily. So uh, yes, no, it's it's good to stay on task because, like we said, this yeah. this one this lesson is for beginners. So, mm. um, does it does your pond have to be a certain depth? Uh, yeah, yep, yep. But there are dimensions to a pond. Um, the reason being is that um, there's, there needs to be a critical, like a critical mass for, it's about maintaining the bacteria, the bacteria in the sand. So when in your pond area, um, and I have sent you a frogscaping guide, oh. uh, and there's a certain area, area to depth um, dimensions. And so when you're looking at um, anything past or shallower than um, 35 um, centimetres, you may have to uh, intervene with a bit of a water pump or something like that. And that's quite a nice little water feature to, to churn the water over, but it's about um, keeping the bacteria happy during the summer. And if anyone's ever had an aquarium, you, you do go through a mini kind of uh, chemistry, you know, crash course in chemistry because yeah. you've got to know what the ammonia is doing and things like that. And it's exactly the same as your pond. It's about um, making sure you keep the bacteria happy. And if you can keep the bacteria happy and you know what the plants do, in the presence of oxygen, when you're, when you're, and you'll be putting little native fish in, of course, to eat the 
keep the mosquito larvae going, um, uh, eaten, you know. And um, so when you when you've got the right kind of equilibrium happening, the the waste product from the fish and the tadpoles, that's basically ammonia. And in the presence of oxygen, it goes to nitrite, and then it goes around to nitrate, and then the plants take up the nitrate. And this, so, folks, is called the nitrogen cycle. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so frogology isn't just straightforward putting a pond in. You've got to know the position, yeah. you've got to know the depth, and you've got to be able to cater for the bacteria. So the bacteria live in a, uh, like a substrate of about a centimetre to two centimetres of um, of washed kind of sand. And so you make sure that's in the base and you put your plants in. Um, they're aquatic plants. Uh, I do have a, a plant list as well, and I'll have quite a few plants on display at the Kalamunda show as well to, oh. to take people through through those. Um, and so, yeah, the plants um, are vital, vital for oxygen and all the rest of them that I told you about before. And then you've got the structures. So you've got structures such as wood. So you've got both horizontal, but I use... Um, I like to use vertical pieces of wood near the pond as well. Mm. Uh, and that will go, we'll talk about those uh, vertical pieces of wood in our next episode because we're talking about other animals as well. So, Johnny, if uh, people are interested and you've sort of sparked uh, interest and enthusiasm, is there a website they can go to to have a read or...? I have got a I've got a Facebook page and an Instagram and I am developing my um, website as we speak. So the Frog Doctor, if you Just, look up the Frog okay, Doctor uh, okay. on Facebook, and um, yeah, it, and I'll, I've got um, info information sheets as well, oh, and great, I'm yeah. doing a whole lot of different workshops around ah, the place. Okay, this is what people will want to know, and people, obviously listeners could come and meet you next Sunday at the Kalamunda Garden Festival and have a chat with you. One fifteen, I believe. That's that's, that's when correct. you're doing your talk. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. in the Tony and Sons marquee. Which I will yeah. be emceeing at the mm. Kalamunda Garden oh. Festival. So uh, yeah. people need to get their tickets or they can get tickets at the gate. Yeah. And, and there's a load of different talks on the day. Um, so your yeah. talk is titled Creating a Habitat Garden How to Attract Those Small Critters That Do the Heavy Lifting in Your Patch. So definitely. Today, yeah is just an introduction Mm -hmm. and like you said Johnny it's a rabbit hole and I really look forward to having you back again and perhaps having you in the studio so that we can step through the the different stages because I think we've all got a lot that we can learn. Oh cheers okay yeah well I look forward to it. All right we'll let you get on with your diving. What do you what do you dive for? Um yeah whatever's there fish. Yeah 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 um, do there's crabs around or yeah. things? Just see what you can it's get. Nice to be able to get. Yeah, can yeah. kind of clean out your sinuses, get back yeah. to nice. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Meditate. So yeah. That's it. Is a form of meditation. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna go and meditate. All right. <laughs> Enjoy well, that, and yes. we'll catch you next week. All right. Okay. Thanks, Very Johnny. Nice. Lovely talking to you. Yes, it was great. Thank you. All Thank best. you. Bye. 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 
And if you would like to go to the Kalamunda Garden Festival, we have five double passes to give away this hour. You need to give Bev a call and uh, we will pop them in the mail over the weekend, give you a day run-up start. We'd like to think they'll arrive, reach you by Friday. Uh, give Bev a call. You can win a double pass to the Kalamunda Garden Festival, which is happening next Sunday at Stirk Park, 10 a.m. to... 10am to 3pm 3pm thank you uh yeah so 94841927 bev will help you out now lou from naranda suggested that you need different varieties of olive trees to cross pollinate and she's saying perhaps paul has all the same variety mm. well I'm, I'm not sure and perhaps it does you can get a better result if there is cross pollination but in the suburbs it's quite likely that yeah. there will will be that opportunity for cross pollination. Mm. Um, certainly, yes. If there's more more trees around, you do get a better fruit set result. But the fact that he pruned them when he did is probably the, the big, bigger cause. Yeah, mm. I was walking through my bird the other day with a dog, and there was a garden that hasn't seen a drop of water for I don't know how long. Everything is dead. Everything is dead except. The olive trees, mm. they just they're just powering along. It's amazing. I think yes, mm. olive trees are one that can survive on nothing, and I mm. think for that reason, sometimes pop up in bushland, which is yeah. not ideal. Ideal. And Michael from Chuart Hill wants to know when is the best time to strike Fortuniana rose stock. Pass. Uh, we'll I we'll think, throw that one to I John. Think, I think the the Melville have been doing theirs in the last month or two. Well, haven't they been grafting? Mm. So striking the root stock and grafting would be done at different stages. You would right. you would have your root stock growing first. Yes, yes, yes. And and that might actually happen already taken place at pruning time right. or s- sometime around spring. Uh, yeah. John. All right, rather than guessing, let us come back to you on that one, Michael. Okay, 94841927 is our number. This is Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. Now, Maria of Middle Swan has sent in a beautiful photo of a Radamachera, which is a family of the China doll plant, which we all had in the... 80s as indoor yeah. plants and mm. um, now the best time to propagate is when it's pruning time and use only the green stems not the woody ones these can be easily taken uh, from the ends of the plant stems while pruning avoid any long cuttings and stick to three to six inches or up to 15 centimeters insert the cuttings into small pots filled with propagation soil and that's not so much potting mix, but a propagation mix doesn't have any fertiliser in it. It's mm. more sandy mm. and free draining. So you keep moist and they should take fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, a tomato question. This is Rick of Mosman Park. Every year the tomatoes start to die off. Um, oh, they start off okay, but then start dying off. So the photo that I've got here shows... Uh, plants that are they're a little bit leggy the the bottom leaves are daggy so when I grow tomatoes I always cut away the lower leaves you don't want 
the lower leaves touching the ground because that can cause disease. So cut them away and stake your plant. Take away any of the daggy leaves and, and little branches. I always take out the, we used to call them tendrils. So if you've yeah. got the plant going upright and then you've got a, a lateral coming out at almost 90 degrees and then one in the middle, we pinch those out. Yeah, that's That right. will make a, a stronger plant. Make sure that the, the plants are getting adequate moisture and it's often recommended not to spray the foliage but to water the ground. Having said that, I've noticed there's a bit of spider mite around this year. There so certainly is. Definitely check your leaves. The thing about overhead watering, if you spray over and under the leaves, it creates a moist environment, which spider mites don't like. So they're less likely to inhabit your plants. Uh, if that's the case, then probably treating with something like an eco oil, but not when it's above 25 degrees. So that's mm. a little tricky at the moment. Um, check the soil. Make sure that it is holding moisture. I can see a lot of sand here. And it, if it's coastal, there's also a rock there. So if it's alkaline, the plants might be struggling. So you're wanting to create more of an acidic soil. Mm. But, you know, if you if you wanted to, get a pH tester they're quite easy to use and that might spearhead another thing that you can look at that might be worth changing. Okay, thank mm. you. Hopefully that will help. Now, another photo here from Wendy who's in Belden and she says what she's got is a flowering Japanese money tree. Well, this is the jade plant, the very common succulent. Yes. And they are flowering now. So mm, Pretty. Older plants will get a beautiful pink flower, small. Love that. Mm. And, and hers is certainly looking amazing. Sitting along a fence line, uh, hibiscus in the background, they're just hardy as. When other, other things are struggling, these jade plants wow. are going amazing. They're also very good for feng shui and they can <laughs> they can bring money into your home. So having oh my Lord. the plants at have the them. front door is a good <laughs> a good thing to do. A lucky thing. We like mm. that. Okay, we've got a few calls coming through. But, of course, I think the phones went crazy for the uh, Kalamunda Garden Festival passes. We'll give five doubles away in the next hour as well. So you've got another chance if you didn't get through. So I will be up there all day next Sunday. So you're right? emceeing. I am. As well as giving your own chance. Yes. Okay, and so you're going to be a busy lady. Will you not be able to get out and buy plants? I probably won't want to, I Ray. will do it for you. Well, Paul West is kicking off the, the talks for the day. Mm. Then the, uh, his talk is Growing Physical and Mental Wellbeing. Exploring the many benefits of gardening. And then Trevor Cochran, The Greatest Innovations in Gardening. Mm. Followed by Darren Seenor, Some Gardens Are Better Than Others. <laughs> That's sure interesting, are. isn't it? And yeah. then Johnny the Frog Doctor, as I said. So my talk is at 2.15 and I've titled it I Spy With My Little Eye. Mm. So I'll take you on a virtual tour showcasing the often unseen critters that lurk in home gardens. So what I would like to do is share with um, viewers the the things that 
are there that are actually good that they've probably seen, but joining all the dots. So the the lacewing larva eggs and what they look like, because a lot of people have seen them, but what the larva looks like, the job that it does, and of course the adult, which is the the lacewing, mm. and then hoverflies. Uh, the good bugs in the garden. And this week, actually, we, when the camera club came over for a night macro shoot, I found a little hopper that I have never seen before and its wing veins were red mm. and it had yellow legs. Amazing. And I put it on iNaturalist. Yeah. Um, and no one knows what it is. Well, we've got it down to Eurymelidae, which is the, the genus or species, but there is no ID of that actual insect. So, mm. you know, there are many things that are out there that are not um, not all identified. I even found a grass orb weaver. So people would be familiar with the golden orb weavers yeah. that spin their webs that mm. shine gold in the sunlight. Mm. But this one is a grass orb weaver. Mm. And that was out in our bushland. So it's growing on... Um, died down belt grass so an area that perhaps doesn't look fantastic but it just shows us that that habitat comes in all different forms and provides a place for different insects to so live. So would this be like a PowerPoint presentation that yes. you're doing? And how long does each chat go for? 45 up to 45 okay. minutes so okay. I mean with those talk titles Ray I, I can't see myself leaving. I'd be no. quite happy to sit through each and every I one agree. of them. I agree. I agree. But uh, I will be torn between that and oh. and the retail aspect of it. Well, I know. And they've because got... Because they've got rare plants happening out there. Well, I've done that's, my dash that's on my, those, That's right? my weakness. Mm. All right. We're heading to Victoria Park. Antonio, how are you? Good uh, morning. Yes, good, good morning. I heard, uh, please, I heard you people talking about olive tree. Yes. Well, many years ago, I bought one, very nice one, and then I choose, I knew a friend, an Italian man had his gray, gray you know, very, very big. He uh, he drafted for me, and it became a very big fruit, huge. And it got bigger, bigger, bigger. I had nowhere to move. It was gigantic, maybe 10, 15, whatever meter wide. Wow. So, means... As long as you, you recommend the people that can draft it, no problem whatsoever. They will have buckets and buckets and buckets and very huge grand. They have to choose the better fruity one, the bigger ones. Yes, yes. Well, they're... And they never, never, ever miss. Was, you know, in Victoria Park. I believe anywhere, everywhere, I would say, you choose the grand... The, the fruit huge, if you know what I'm talking yes, about, yes. large. Do you, and incentive, yeah, simple do, as that. Antonio, do and you know what the variety of the fruit is that you have? No, I don't. I used to have only one once in my life, huge. And it gets so big and big. The fruit was so many tons, no, enormous. Well, what I experienced means any tree you can buy, you love it, you go try that, and then... Uh, by true friends or whatever, and then just draft it, and you will see you get free and you get so huge and everything. Simple as that. Mm. Typical what Italian people, or Greek, whatever they have, because most of the olives they come from Spain, Portugal, Greece, 
maybe yeah. France, maybe some other countries. That's the matter, and they are only one kind, and this is huge. Uh, I would be yeah. keen to when your trees you, fruit. Well, no, I do not have it anymore. I, uh. It was so big; I had no room between two 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 properties. You know, you cannot in the France, you cannot pass. So by the end. I got done, so I had no, I couldn't handle it. I cut up and I got rid of it. Simple as that. Mm. I'm just passing to you the truth, experience about that. I never that, you know. I mean, nowadays if you buy this and that, I don't know, but I knew it's one kind of the tree, the real one. Yes, I understand, Antonio. Thank you. My father-in-law was a great olive grower in Vic Park, and. Uh, we have relatives there. So we may follow this up um, and talk about grafting with Chris Oliver at another Mm, time. But that is a... Just choose choose the fruit. Passing woods or where you buy the trees, whatever. If you don't know, get somebody pay him to do it for you properly. Choose the big big fruit. Yes. And you wipe what they see. The result is amazing, honestly. Thank you very much for your call, Antonio. Good luck. Okay, thank, thank you. you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. 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 Okay, we shall return. Curtain Radio. The 9am news will be coming up shortly. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Now, we do have winners for our Kalamunda Garden Festival passes on next Sunday. Bob of Langford, Sue of Maidervale, Maria of Middle Swan, Patricia in Cardinia and Mary of Banjup. Um, good on you guys. And they will be popped into the mail over the weekend. We really hope, fingers crossed, they arrive to yours by next Friday at the latest. Yeah, we're doing our best. So, yeah. We sure are. Yeah. We sure are. And we'll give five more doubles away in the next hour as well as our Bigger Trees voucher, a $75 gift voucher for you to go shopping up at Bigger Trees. And, wow, she had a a, a haul come in this week. I read on her Facebook page from Victoria of trees and plants. It's just incredible what's come in. Mm. Yeah, you can find any tree you like. It's absolutely. dangerous, this online shopping, isn't it? It is dangerous and it's addictive. Yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's I, not I, talk I wake about up it. doing it, I go to sleep. It's shocking, yeah. <laughs> it's apparently good for our mental health, right? Is it? Yeah. Okay, yeah. all right. Thank you for that. <laughs> and Michael of Chewett Hill, John did some searching, uh, when's the best time to strike Fortuniana rose stock? Well, his research has showed that there's not a great deal of information on the net about it, but it doesn't really go dormant. So just about any time of the year, though I would, uh, like right across the board, avoid midwinter and midsummer as they're often never the best time I would give um, Melville Rose Nursery a call because I know that they Mm. do it and uh, I'm sure that Bob, Rob, sorry, pardon me, Rob and and Katie would be more than happy to give you some information, Michael. Give Melville Rose Nursery a buzz and have a chat with them. They're the rose specialists. They surely are. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Time for a quick hand. Yeah, let's do that leading into the news, please. All right. Dom and Mary of Allenbrook have sent in a photo of their native frangipani tree. Mm. The leaves are dropping and they look unhealthy. Well, the problem, you're not alone here. This is scale, fig wax scale. It's over fig trees. It just loves the native frangipani. So close up, it looks like little pink elephant's feet. 
Right. And I, I'd say around this time of year, the crawlers are moving around. So it's a scale that's waxy mm. and underneath there are lots of little scale and they're moved around by ants. So you will probably look and notice that there's a lot of ants on the tree. So yeah. this can give off honeydew as well. Hence, the the ants have this mutually beneficial relationship where they look after the scale, move them around. The scale provides honeydew and the ants actually milk the scale for honeydew. They can stroke it and encourage the, the secretions of the honeydew and then they just lick it. They could all up. Clever, so they? yeah. Mm. So dealing with your ants um, could be helpful as well. I guess you know I talk about this a lot of the time. Where if you can remove a major part of the infestation, so if you can cut back the tree and reduce the infestation, you've got less to deal with. You want to try and manage your ants, and. You could spray, but not when it's over 25 degrees, something like eco oil. And you will have to do this more than once. Now, when the leaves drop, clean up all those leaves because that scale can stay in the ground and the ants can move it back up the tree. So it's an ongoing battle that you'll have. Mm. Managing your ants, probably a little bit more difficult. Uh, you can put something like Vaseline around the tree mm. uh, that, that will be a hindrance to them. Diatomaceous earth is also yep. something that can help because the silica gets into their exoskeleton and breaks it down. Um, but, yeah, just that that is the what's happening. So, yeah, do your best. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we have uh, 20 seconds to go before we... <laughs> oh, Ellen, I don't know whether to laugh or cry. Are you taking bookings for your cabaret act? It has to be shared that Faye and I went to a, uh, what would you call it last night, a bit of a dance and sing-along and Michael Barbarello. Michael Barbaro. Barbaro, pardon me, but Michael Barbaro. Forgive me, Michael, if you're listening. You know where my head's always at, somewhere else. Um it was a wonderful night and uh, I went to step up on the stage and promptly fell over. Now, this is the sort of thing that I do, Alan, and I don't take myself seriously, thank God. Uh, yeah, so, but we had a great night and no, a little bit you, of dancing. You... And we the, also, there was a great lady singer, Stella, and the, the gentleman that did Tom Jones, his name, I have it here because I was so impressed with him as well. The music was outstanding. It was just the uh, an absolute fun evening. And I will just pull up uh, the other gentleman's name whilst I'm at it. Wayne Stanley. Yes, Wayne Stanley, Michael Tom Barbaro. Jones. <laughs> yeah, and uh, another lady, Axtella. She was brilliant as well. And we had and some Rodney, dancing. who did the Joe Cocker. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And but, he had all the moves, the whole oh, Joe Cocker he, thing going on, the great. arms. and. But what Ray's yeah. not telling you is she can sing. And don't you say you can't because you can sing, Ray, and... You did not embarrass yourself. Of course you were, I did. <laughs> you did not. I made an absolute fool of myself. No. Thank you, Alan. Um, I did. And, uh, no, you did no, not. Because what happened was Michael said, would we choose a song? And I thought it was a song for everyone to dance to. And I'm saying to Don, come on, come on. What's something that's really pacey and get everyone up on the floor? And we came up with uh, All Shook Up, Elvis All Shook Up. 
And next thing you know, uh, he's dragging me up onto the stage to sing it. Now, if I was going to sing, that is not the song I would have chosen. Let me tell you. It's so what hard. will be the song that you choose to sing? What was? What would it be? Yeah. Oh, there's plenty. I'd have to think about it. But All something right. easier. I was singing my head off on the way home. That is what I do. I sing a lot. And she can anyone sing, that, folks. Anyone that don't knows let me tell you knows any different. that I sing. But it was very embarrassing. But I had a ball. You I had a ball. It was well. great fun. But it was, uh, I didn't see that one coming, unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah, if anyone can make a goose of themselves, uh, I'm your girl. Goose. I'm no. your girl. No, it was hilarious. Oh, my goodness. The 9 o'clock news. 23.2 right now and the humidity is sitting at 40%, heading for a maximum today of 33. Tomorrow, a maximum of 35 and on Monday, a maximum of 33. The week then warms up. Tuesday, we're looking at 36 and a big 38 happening on Wednesday. So it is going to be a warm week. So you need to look after your plants and your animals, most importantly, and of course yourself. So uh, it's going to be a very, very warm week coming up. So yeah, prepare the best you can. Now, we have our special guest in the studio with us, Kylie Scheigel from Kings Park Botanic Gardens. Good morning, young lady, and thank you for trekking in. And you found us okay. Oh, good morning. Yes, I did. And thank you for having me. This is a wonderful opportunity. Oh, no, we love having you. So we're going to pick your brains and uh, have have some interesting chats with you. And I'm sure the listeners will have questions as well. And we're talking about flora for fauna this morning. And off uh, air, I was just saying to you, I'd just love to know what a typical day in your line of work is. You know, when you get to the, what a, what a, we always say, what a wonderful office Kings Park really is. And how do your day starts? And, and I, and I imagine each day is obviously different plans. I don't know how it all works up there. Can you light, yeah, sure. enlighten us? I'd love to talk about that. So we, we start the day at 6am. And so yeah, a wonderful early. thing about working in Kings Park is we often get to see the sunrise not quite at the moment but as the days get a little bit shorter I'll watch the sunrise and that's always a wonderful boost to your morning and we typically we hit the ground running we start work we're out there we're we're checking the area for safety so I have an area in the botanic garden and so we each have an area that we work that we're responsible for that Mm -hmm. we look after Mm -hmm. and so I would check that for safety and I would check it for horticultural maintenance and then generally we would have decided the week before what our what our work is for that week and so we will have some set tasks that we'll go about. We might be doing some maintenance tasks like blowing pathways, picking yeah. up rubbish. A lot of people yeah. don't realise that, you know, even as horticulturists we have to keep the park clean. And so we do that on a daily basis. How annoying that people litter it. Uh, it is kind of annoying, and yes. how, What about the safety aspect? What does that entail? Okay, so we'll drive around and we'll check for, say, fallen uh, branches ah, from yes, trees yes, yes, perhaps. Yes. Um, mm. And again, there's that rubbish element in case anyone has left something that's unsafe. Then so grr, we'll make sure that's grr. taken care of. Yeah. And, then, um, and then we'll go around and look at our gardens and, and just check on on how the plants are doing, how the garden beds are looking, and then yeah. we'll just go about our work, which can involve anything from weeding to pruning, if we're lucky. Um, we mm. might do um, labour-intensive work, like we've just been working in Naturescape for the month, making sure that all the um, maintenance is up to date for the year ahead, and that can involve moving limestone or rocks or um, you know pruning, uh, kind of you know laborious uh, spreading softfall, for example. We do those kind of tasks as well. And now um, we've just been released from that work and then we're back into our own areas, which is what 
I love to do. So a lot of physical work. There is a and, lot of physical work. And with work. a week like that's coming up, a really hot week, you yes. just you just soldier on through that? How that's right. It? So mm. because we start work at 6am in the morning, get a lot we do done. get a big chunk of our work done before 10am, yeah. which is half a day done yeah. by the time we stop for morning tea. So we just have to pace ourselves and choose yeah. work that's not out in the full sun. Yeah. So which is your area, Kylie? Yeah, so I have what we call the southern precinct of the Botanic Garden. So my area go is kind of the back end of the Botanic Garden. includes the place of reflection and includes row gardens with the northern sand plain beds, which are just beautiful. It's, it's one of the loveliest uh, views of the river, actually, from Row Car Park. Um, all the way under the, the walkway that people might know, the Glass Bridge, all the way up to Tewitt Forest. Yeah. Wow. Oh, what a lovely place to work. And... Uh, actually, recently we we got an inquiry, and now's the perfect opportunity to address it yeah. about maintaining a native garden yeah. and pruning plants. Like, yes. how do you what, when and how? Yeah, when, when how, and why? how do you do it? <laughs> yeah, so look, you maintain a, a native garden just like you would any garden. They require um, just usual gardening practices that we're all used to. And you can prune native plants. There's a few things uh, I like to tell people that you should know. Um, one of the things is some plants don't like pruning too much and they, no. they can be acacias, don't love pruning too much. And you've got to be a bit careful with banksias. You've got to know a little bit your plant, what you're doing. And eucalypts, of course, as well. With trees, generally we advise about lifting the canopy. That's fine. You know, you can prune the, the lateral branches um, below where you want the canopy to be just to shape it and then generally we leave the branches alone the canopy alone um, unless they're in the way or broken or damaged and then with with general pruning of flowering shrubs like your camelosiums your thryptomines they love a good prune so, so camelosium of course other geraldton waxes. The wax flowers exactly so after their main flowering period we you can prune them back by a third generally speaking um, and that keeps them nice and compact and that means they flower beautifully the next year and actually what we do in king's park is that we flower we prune sorry our wax flowers We've just done them, um, I guess, in the beginning of February and we time that pruning so that then they flower beautifully for our spring festival. Okay, so if people haven't trimmed their, their wax flowers, now would be, mm. well, maybe not. Yeah, you could, you could do a little bit now. What you don't want to do is prune off the buds. So if they're in bud, don't prune them yet. Generally, I would advise to prune them after flowering. So that might be early summer, actually. We, we do it in Kings Park because of our display timing that we're mm. trying to do. Um, but if you haven't pruned it yet, then, then maybe give it a light prune if it's not in bud. But then next, next or this later this year, after it's flowered, then you give it a nice good prune before the heat of summer hits and then you're also reducing the transpirational stress on the plant mm. as well. And, of course, a good idea to prune is so that you get a, a bushier, tidier plant absolutely and more flowers that's right yeah mm. and and it will live longer as well if mm. you you know it will be healthier for longer okay wonderful information nine four eight four one nine two seven we're heading to menorah talking about hydrangeas gwen good morning oh good morning um i have two hydrangeas but this year all they did was produce beautiful green flowers and no, not flowers, leaves, sorry, love. And, um, and they're still producing beautiful green leaves, but no flowers. And, but they're getting sort of, I'm just wondering, do I prune them off? Okay. Or do I when, go? Uh, 
Is it in a pot or in the ground? It's in, in a pot. And how long has it been in that pot? Oh, a couple of years. Okay. Two years. All right. Uh, what I would suggest is putting it into the next size pot for one thing because they do establish quite a, a good root system. And in fact, I was asked last night about a, a hydrangea that has been in a pot for 10 years and has only just flowered after a long hiatus. So basically the information I'm going to give is the same. Put it into the next size pot so that it's got some fresh potting mix. Give it right. a slow it's release. In a pretty big, it's in a pretty big pot, about at least 24. Well, yes, but they, they can get to be very big plants, like almost... Mm almost yeah. a metre across if it's one of the older varieties. And because it's been in a pot for a couple of years, it would have exhausted everything that's in that potting mix. So the bigger the pot, the bigger the plant. Just go to the next size pot, get it into some fresher potting mix, add some slow-release fertiliser designed for flowering and fruiting plants. It probably won't flower this year. In wintertime, the leaves will go off and that's when you cut it, cut it back and strike some new plants with your prunings and then oh, start okay. to feed again in springtime. You can use a liquid for flowering and fruiting plants as well as the slow-release fertiliser. And as long as it's getting sufficient sun, like morning sun is fantastic, um, dappled light in the full heat of summer, so if it's in a pot, you could put it under a tree or under the patio. It, flowering plants need light to produce flowers. Okay, well, I'll try all that. And uh, thank you very much for uh, uh, your information. You're welcome, Gwen. Thank you, Gwen. Thank you. Bye. And don't forget with the information uh, that we provide each week you can go to our podcast and have a listen back to the show or any show for that matter all you need to do is go to curtainfm.com.au which is our website on the front page the home page up the top there's a drop down bar uh, programs click on that let's talk gardening and we'll come up and it'll take you to where all our podcasts are situated and there's so much information there you can just sit there at your leisure or whatever and go back and have a listen to whatever it is that was of interest to you now uh, Donna in South Yanderup called in and she's got a lot of frangies and only three or four have flowered this year and not with many flowers any reason or advice mm, well they certainly seem late this year very late and we spoke to Nellie Tarchuk about three weeks ago. We so the fact you've mentioned the podcast is really timely because, mm. Donna, if you like to go and find the podcast from a few weeks ago with Nellie talking about frangipanis, she talked about what to do and when. Mm. So you need to have done your feeding by now. And, and now we're basically just keeping up the water to them. Mm, and they the, feeding in spring, mm, I believe. I, yeah. I had a couple of situations where just one branch of my frangie flowered and Nellie said, yeah, that happens. Mm. So, yeah. And yeah. I, I imagine down south yonder up is a bit cooler. Yes. And, you know, in, in Jandicott they've been late. Yeah, um, definitely it's late. It's been a cool mild summer compared to last year yeah um yeah. but certainly you know as they get more mature yeah 
they almost flower without you doing anything. Anything at all. I just, mean, well, I do. I see neglected frangies in mm. the suburb where I live flowering their heads off yeah. and mine are all taken care of and, and I don't get many. So it's Then it relates back to soil preparation mm. and, you know, through through autumn and and winter we can still add yeah. products to our soil that help yeah. beef up the soil and help hold moisture. So clay, compost, uh, pelletised chicken manure, that sort of thing can actually build up the soil mm. and help hold nutrients. For them. Okay, 94841927. I think that we will give away our $75 gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Uh, if you'd like to play with us this morning, you must be a Curtin FM member and not to have won a prize in the last 28 days. Now, as we know, Bigger Trees specialise in frangipanis and there's someone that you could uh, speak to as well about uh, frangie care and frangie flowering, uh, Kerry at Bigger Trees, specialising also in ornamental and fruit trees and fabulous new stock arriving every week and a massive haul, as I mentioned earlier, from Victoria this week. And they also have included a lot of those harder to find trees and plants. So you just might find that tree you've had trouble locating right there. Uh, too many plants to mention. Touch on a few for you. They had a massive range of Acer trees come in, which are all your maple varieties, uh, a lot of different birch trees, cedars, syringas, magnolias. And there's a hydrange range that has come in. And I saw this one in Melbourne at the Melbourne uh, Garden Show a few years ago. I absolutely fell in love with it called Sunday Phrase. Absolutely beautiful hydrange. Now that's come in stock there as well. I'd love to go and check that out myself. Uh, a lot of summer uh, colour still happening for you. So it is a pleasure to stroll through Bigger Trees Nursery. So you can check out their online options, biggertrees.com.au. And they do have a great Facebook page so you can see what's going on up there. Here is your question. Why was the little old wine drinker, Dean Martin, praying for rain in California? Why was little old wine drinker, Dean Martin, praying for rain in California? That's your question. Give Bev a call now. 94841927. Off you go. We will return. Curtain Radio. 22 minutes after nine, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. Special guest in the studio, all the way from Kings Park Botanic Gardens, I might add, Kylie Shy Gall is in the studio with us. We're talking flora for fauna, how to create a native garden for urban wildlife. So we will be getting stuck into that in this hour. We do have a winner, Mary of Greenwood. Thanks for playing with us, Mary. And we will actually play the song associated with that answer, which I will give you in just a moment. However, we have five double passes to give away uh, to the Kalamunda Garden Festival if you'd like to attend next Sunday. See Faye in action. Uh, we're going to put them in the mail to you today. Five double passes to give away. Just give Bev a call, 94841927. Now, the question was, why was little old wine drinker Dean Martin praying for rain in California? The answer is, so the grapes can grow and they can make more wine. So that was one of John's questions and a hopefully slightly easier one. So John thinks it was anyway. Uh, have a listen, see what you think. Little old wine drinker me, Dean Martin. That was the answer to, well, that was the question. And the answer was, uh, so the grapes can grow and they can make more wine. That's the answer to praying for rain in California. So Mary of Greenwood, congratulations. Your 
Bigger Trees voucher will be on its way to you this week. Okay, now Bev's wildly working out there with all of the people interested in the Garden Festival tickets up at Calamunda next week. So she's head down. We can carry on and start getting stuck into our subject with Kylie, the flora for fauna. You were saying just off air that you've studied zoology. It's fascinating. Yeah, that's correct. Yes, yeah, so in my previous life, in my 20s, mm. I, uh, I did study a science degree and I majored in zoology because I was all about animals. Yeah. And then mm. I decided at some point that I wanted to support urban wildlife and the best way to support urban wildlife was to learn about how to grow plants. Hence, I studied horticulture and then was lucky enough to get a job in Kings Park, which is the place to be to learn about native plants. Yeah, absolutely. What a classroom. Dream, dream job. What an amazing classroom. It's a, it's a fantastic, mm. it's a privilege actually to work yeah, up there. And, I reckon. And people are always generally in a good mood and so we have lovely interactions with people as well as just being in a, a super natural, you know, beautiful pl- natural place. Tell us about some of the things that, that you've observed when you're working amongst the gardens because I bet there's many sure. experiences. and. sure. Um, wow moments. Oh, there are. I like to call them little wildlife moments. Um, so, so obviously the birds are probably the most obvious thing. We we have, we are surrounded by birds, and and Kings Park is a refuge for birds. And so actually, just as I was pulling up to come into your studio this morning, I was um, surrounded by black cockatoos. Yeah, and. I'd like to just talk about them for a moment because we do get a lot of black cockatoos in Kings Park and people do see them around a lot in the city now and we think, oh, they're fine because we see so many of them. But actually, they're not fine. They're critically endangered and they are coming to the city now because they've lost so much of their habitat out that's in, right. in rural areas. Yeah. So that's that's one of the birds that uh, really needs our help. And how, how can we help them? How can we help them? Look, it... It's pretty straightforward. We can all contribute to conservation of our local fauna by planting local native plants. That's pretty gardens. simple. It's pretty simple. And and embrace, sort of go with nature and, and aim to create a natural um, balance for your garden ecosystem. That's the way I like to think of my garden. It's part of the ecosystem. What, what sort of plants could we... Could we plant for the the cockatoo, black cockatoo? Yeah, well, for the black cockatoo specifically, you want um, trees, and they mm. love obviously their one of their natural favourites is is the Mary tree, which is not really a suitable tree for your backyard. If you're mm. lucky enough to have a Mary tree uh, already, you know, mature in your yard, try and mm. do everything you can to keep it, and certainly in your local area, in your local parks as well. But in your in your own garden, and what I've planted in my garden to support the black cockatoos is uh, hakeas. So they yeah. have hakeas. So yeah. hakea lorena, or the yeah. pincushion hakea, got, got that. Yeah. is a wonderful, um, it's a beautiful flowering plant as well. It, it, it flowers during the autumn and into winter, and it's just a stunning display. And the black cockatoos will come in and they will make a mess by feeding on it. But um, how wonderful to, to provide them with food. Mm. Bankshears are also mm. very good. Uh, Banksia prionodes is coming into flower right now and you can buy them in dwarf forms which makes them more suitable for our suburban yards. Yeah. Um, and any Banksia really will be yeah. will be fantastic. And eucalypts of course. I was going to say they love their eucalypts. Yeah. Eucalypts are always mm. great for birds and all wildlife actually. Um, mm. So I have a range of eucalypts in my garden, all of small size, because mm. we have some, we tend to have small gardens these days. That's right. And so there's always a eucalypt flowering in my garden at any time of year because I have about five or six or maybe 
seven. At the moment, it's Eucalyptus erythrochorus or mm. Iliari, and it's stunning. It's got bright, bright yellow flowers and the red caps. Oh, my God. It's highly ornamental. Yeah. And the black cockies will come for them. Well, they, they I haven't seen them on my erythrochorus, but they, yeah, they can definitely eat mm. the eucalypts. And, look, next Saturday, when I do have a Flora for Fauna talk, we are be... We are lucky to be joined by an expert on black cockatoos from BirdLife Australia. I'm so excited. I'm going to learn all about how to support black cockatoos, black cockatoos from her. She's from BirdLife Australia. And who's that? Her name is Marin Pryor, I believe. Yeah, I've not met her before. And where will that chat be happening? So the chat will be happening uh, in in the Botanic Garden. And I know it's advertised as the Yorkist Ninning building on the website, but I do believe we uh, have our change of venue. So it's going to be in Wanju Ma, which is the volunteers building in the Eucalyptus car park in the Botanic Garden. There will be instructions, I'm sure. You can actually just put those names you into can. Google and you they can. take you straight to the place. Yeah, yeah. so Wanju Ma. And it's a Wanju lovely little... Ma. It's actually where our... Um, it's our base where we where we work. And so. that's happening which day? It's happening next Saturday, the fourth of March at ten thirty AM. Okay, lovely. And you can buy tickets through yeah, through the Kings Park website. Fantastic. In fact, we're up there on Tuesday late early evening, aren't we? We're we going are, to a yes. horticultural meeting up at Kings Park oh. and going to have a bit of a walk around and uh, it'll be lovely. Sue McDougall will be hosting us. Yes. She's great. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. The best. Okay, now we do have all of our double passes have been won uh, for the Kalamunda Garden Festival. Congratulations, guys. As we say, they are going in the mail today so that we have a we we hit the ground running. Hopefully they're in the mail and you'll receive them at the very latest by Friday. Fingers crossed. yeah, and we can take some calls now, 94841927. Uh, feel free to ask questions of Kylie uh, our, from Kings Park, our flora and fauna expert right here with us right now. So how does one go about creating their garden to attract fauna? What what tips can you give us? All right, so the, the tips that I like to talk about are just a little bit of what I've just talked about is yeah. aim to create a natural balance in your garden ecosystem. And the way to do that is to reduce or eliminate chemical use as much as possible. Yeah. So embrace nature. So what I like to tell people is that invertebrates, which include insects and, and other creatures like spiders, are all, most of them are beneficial or benign anyway, but some of them are beneficial. Most of them are not going to hurt or do any damage to your garden. They're going to help. So embrace embrace them. And then the birds, if you're attracting birds to your garden, they will do a lot of natural pest control for you. So do try and look for, I guess, uh, organic principles of looking after your garden. So get rid of the chemicals. And perhaps that you've already had Johnny on this morning talking about frog habitat. Yeah. He might have said something similar because frogs are very sensitive to chemicals. Very. So if you're going to spray anything around, that's really going to do Deadly. them a lot of harm. Mm. Mm. So that's the first thing. The other thing to do is to um, look for local native plants. So we know about native plants, but try and find some local ones, at least WA ones. And we do, of course, just a visit to the Botanic Gardens in Kings Park. We'll show you the range of WA plants that we have. And then look for local ones to Perth if you can. With trees, though, um, it's okay to plant trees that are just native to Western Australia because there's not many that are locally native that are suitable for small backyards. Yeah. So I have a range of trees that that, that come from the wheat belt, um, and they they grow beautifully in my home garden. 
What are some of your favourite small trees oh, for flowering? It's, it's Well, I've already mentioned Iliari, or Eucalyptus erythrochorus. I've got that at the moment. But I've got um, one from the desert called Eucalyptus kingsmillii. It's a lovely little ornamental mallee. Mm. Uh, there's another one called Yangiana, which is another one of my favourites, a large fruit of Mali. They're just stunning when they come into flower. They have these big, beautiful flowers, and the birds just adore them. And the foliage on them, what is that? Yeah, so the foliage, so all eucalypts, they, there's a range of kinds of foliage. They all do have that typical gum leaf, but um, mm. some of them are more open in their canopy. And the wonderful things about having an open canopy is that it lets the sunlight through, so then you can plant the understory as mm. well. Yeah, so, and there's some really unusual ones. There's the Eucalyptus crugiana, which comes from the goldfields, I think. And that's got, it's just, it's really, it's got a tiny little yellow flower and this little grey foliage, very rounded, that's close to the stem. It's called the book leaf mallee. It's very ah, unusual. Yes. And great foliage a great, for a vase. It's a wonderful mm. foliage for a vase and a wonderful feature plant. So, careful selection of a range of eucalypts means you can have one flowering at any time of the year in your oh, garden. I love that. I love that. And of course people could wander up to the botanic gardens and you're all going to be out there doing a thing and you don't have an issue with people coming up and having a chat with you? We love it. I love having interactions with the public. Like I said, that's usually positive and we do love to answer questions. So yes, if you if you want some more information and you want to walk through the park, As we're generally, well. you know, active during between early but up until about two o'clock you'll find us, you know, in the gardens. What a resource for everybody. It is, yeah. Oh, well a lot of the plants ending. are labelled too. So mm. we do try to label our Love plants. That. And yeah. and the garden beds in the botanic garden are themed according to taxonomics. So they could be uh, we have a whole garden bed in my area dedicated to hakeus and grevilleas. Yeah. And there's hundreds of species of these plants native to WA. And mm. so if you come and see this garden you'll see the range of Grevilleas and hakeas that grow in WA, and if we could just get more of them propagated and available to the public, that would be fantastic. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's go to Mindari. Cindy, good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, and it's a beautiful one too. Um, last year, uh, I phoned up about my poor sick lemon. Well, it was not a sick lemon, it was a healthy lemon. But we repotted it uh, and we never got any, flower, uh, any flowers, any fruit. It just lay dormant, looking beautiful, thankful for the new pot. But no fruit. And uh, I don't know whether you recall, you said uh, you'd heard about yoghurt, natural yoghurt, and to feed it some natural yoghurt. Well, we did. Um, and we got two or three uh, goes with the yoghurt uh, over a sort of like a, about a month. And she has produced the most amazing flowers and lemons. <laughs> so I don't know whether it was due to this. Uh, oh, my goodness, Cindy. I, <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't me because this is the first I've heard of feeding yogurt to your citrus tree. Do you remember, Ray? Oh, oh. <laughs> Where there was definitely, the, we, we had someone in the studio. I think it was that, Kay. Yeah, Kay, that, I think it was. That talked about adding yogurt. Was it Catherine? Yeah. Could have been, mm, yes. As a probiotic. Oh, and, yeah. oh well, yes, there you go. <laughs> well, that's great feedback, I Cindy. I said, well, I'll let you know because you've got this lovely healthy lemon. Well, <laughs> Fantastic. You sound very excited, yes. Cindy, and we are too. Yes. Uh, 
Just one other question. Um, coffee uh, grouts and uh, tea leaves, um, are they beneficial to the, uh, to the ground, you know, to the soil, if, we, if I empty my coffee pot? And... Well, they, they are organic, so they will ultimately break down. I personally would add them to my, my compost bin or my worm farm first and then yes. out onto the garden. Oh, right. But it, it won't hurt if you throw them on the garden. It's not, But do it um, in, in little parts. You know, don't keep dumping it all in the same place. Okay, right. Spread the right. love. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks very much for that. Well, right. well done, Cindy. Thank, Thank you. you. Pass on the information to Faye. <laughs> Yes, thank okay. you. <laughs> thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay. Thank you. Bye. And let's head to Mundaring. Margaret, good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. How are you, Margaret? I'm very well, thank you. I just want to ask Kylie about she oaks, but can I just say that I picked two pods of seeds off my native frangipani um, the other day, and I cannot believe that there's Looks like there's almost over, well over fifty or sixty seeds Good in grief. each pod. Yes, yes. And I was just wondering whether or not it's um, possible to give Bev my phone number in case anybody wants, because I could post them out. They're quite um, uh, thin, and very easily very, post. Very papery. Yes. Those native fringe panties are prolific seeders. Margaret, and they often pop up in um, moist gardens. So oh. I, I don't think there'd be a big demand myself because they are so readily available. Right, that's fine. But thank you. Um, I just wanted to ask um, Kylie about she-oaks because yeah. they do shed those needles, yes. which I believe um, uh, have a... a What's the word? A, a repellent. Allelopathic. That, oh, is that right? And, you know, I had have a garden that's um, having trouble growing things and I was just wondering if... Um, that's impacting got them. Any, mm. Got any um, advice about do, you, do we remove the needles altogether? Um, I, I haven't heard of this um, problem. We, she oaks are wonderful, <coughs> excuse me, plants for supporting your the black cockatoos. Yeah, they are. Mm. Um, as far as growing things under them, I know that the mulch. I think uh, orchids actually love growing through she oak mulch. Oh right, the, uh, azaleas and camellias. Yeah, I don't know activity. about those. Um, no. Perhaps they might. I don't know if they change the pH of the soil. Do you know? What what I do know is she oaks were one of the things that was recommended to have their their needles moved around to support the orchid. Yes, as you said, that. and that yes. was written about in one of the Kings Park newsletters. Yes, yes I know it's good. So you mm. know, perhaps you could sort of growing some orchids. Because um, <laughs> I have in part of my bush, I have tried to plant because Mundaring had a tree canopy program for many years and tried to plant um, middle story plants and where the she oaks had died I tried several times put new plants back every year after year for three years and nothing survived mm. where these 
Yeah, she, uh, I've seen that as well, Margaret. Margaret, I might come back to this yeah. in another Gotta show go because, for a break as well. Um, mm. Yeah, I could add more to that, yep. but we're oh, okay. a bit out of time. Thanks. Okay, thanks, Good Margaret. On you. Cheers. Bye. And we <laughs> shall return. And you've got about 15 minutes of Let's Talk Gardening remaining. Opportunity to speak to Kylie uh, from Kings Park Botanic Gardens about flora for fauna. We're having a, a great chat this morning, very educational for us all. And our winners for the Kalamunda Garden Festival passes are Ruth in Safety Bay, Jill of Mandra, Evel, I think, of Kalamunda, Lou of Naranda, and Lena in Hearn Hill. So congratulations, guys, in the mail this weekend to you. Now, Robin of Kingsley has phoned in, and she's saying, were the stolen orchids ever returned to Kings Park? Doubt uh, that. No. no. <laughs> they weren't. And that's, what a um, shocker. It is. That was a shocking event. And, uh, yeah, a lot of work went into propagating and uh, looking after those orchids. So that yeah, it's definitely a terrible event, and we've got a lot of uh, security um, measures measures put in place now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I a, can imagine. What a orchestrated event! Like, how yeah. long would it have taken to dig them up? And could have they missed some? You reckon they've missed some? Uh, no, I think they did a pretty good job. I I don't work in that uh, garden where that they were taken from the conservation garden, which is a garden within the botanic garden greater which is all about highlighting the plight of our plants out there in nature and how we've suffered such habitat loss and how you know to increase awareness of how we all need to look after our flora and fauna and then go and do that and to have them stolen is is yes it's devastating a low blow yeah Mm. it is it is to our work and to just the greater the greater good for everybody exactly couldn't couldn't have said it more myself so there you go robin and uh robert uh from is it Treby? Uh, sorry, Robert Treby advised about the yogurt tip, uh, relayed on our show by Bob Melville a few months ago. Yeah, right. Um, okay. Yep, that's but, good. Good to know it, he, because I wasn't here that day. That's right. right. Uh, Andrea um, was in the chair. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that, Robert. <laughs> we're in Bentley. Lynn. Good morning. Oh, good morning. Good morning, everyone. I just want a little bit of information on my camellia. I've got a debutante, which is quite a, a common one, and I have another one growing in the garden. I don't think it's difficult. It's in the right position, but all its leaves are just curling and dropping off. Um, I thought it might have been a watering problem. Um, I hope it's not a rot problem with the roots, because I've had a problem with that. I lost one. Um, so I was just wondering if someone could just give me some advice about it. Uh, Lynn, did Ez have a look at this one when she came to visit? She did, and I lost it. Oh. But it was in the, I took it from the ground into the pot, and now I have the debutante, which doesn't have any buds on it. Um, it's just it's probably a metre and a bit, and it was very, very healthy. Um, I did touch the ground a little bit and had a little um, finger test, and it looked a little bit dry. But it's got the right shade and it's in the right spot, and its leaves are just curling, and there's a whole pile of leaves just sitting okay. underneath it. So it, it does sound like something's just happened for it to be curling its leaves mm. and dropping. And if you said it was dry, then maybe it has dried out. Uh, you know, you would 
you would normally add a wetting agent, give it a good soaking, give it some seaweed. You could add some compost uh, and mm. just say a little prayer. Help it through the next uh, month to six weeks. Mm. Also check for any reflective heat if it's against a fence and maybe something's been removed from the other side. So that could be a cause. Mm. Other than that, I mean, noticing that the leaves are curling means you can sort of give it a, a bit of extra water. love, maybe a bit of shade if it needs it. And the, Thanks, Faye. And the other thing I just want to know is to your guest speaker, um, Gravilius. I've got lots of them, but how, how, um, how far can you trim them and when? Ah, yes, grevilleas. Well, they're one of my favourite plants. Mm. Glad you asked me about them. They're gorgeous. I love them. They are gorgeous. And they can be intermittent flowers during the year. So I generally advise with pruning them, um, you can prune them before the heat of the summer hits and that, again, reduces that transpirational stress on the plant through the summer and then it will regrow after the summer is over in the autumn. Uh, if, If it has a flush of flowers, then generally the advice is to prune after flowering. Um, but if it's an mm. intermittent flower, then any time. I know in my own garden, I've got Grevillea olivaceae. Have you got that one? Um, I've got all pink ones, all pink grevilleas. Pink grevilleas, lovely. So and yeah, yeah. So you you can prune them, but just don't prune uh, below the stem where there's. Make sure that there are green leaves on the stem where you prune it still remaining don't oh, prune right. into hard wood as long as you're just pruning tip pruning or prune up to a third of the shrub no more than that i have lost through hard pruning yeah and i've lost through transplanting as well yeah so transplanting is just very finicky on those two things i've found yes. but um yeah not advised i'm a little bit careful now. yeah yeah but tip pruning would be t- perfectly fine any time of the year to keep it bushy okay thank you so much for your advice Thanks for your call, awesome Lynn. Bye show. for now. Cheers. Bye See for you. now. Bye. And we will return. Cartoon Radio. And we're back. You're listening to Let's Talk Gardening. We've got a couple of emails and also Kylie Scheigel in the studio with us from the Kings Park Botanic Gardens. And we have been chatting about flora for fauna. Mm. So in your talk that's coming up this weekend, what are some of the things, what are some of the basics that you could give us as a, a lead-in to what yep. you'll be talking about, Kylie. Yep. So we'll, we'll be talking generally about the importance of our biodiversity and supporting that biodiversity and conservation. So we will introduce with that. Then I will talk about the main points, the way you can support the fauna through creating the natural uh, balance in your ecosystem, which I mentioned about not using chemicals, about introducing water to your garden and making water available to fauna that's really important as the climate is warming and during the hot summer months so we'll talk about bird baths and how you can support them that way we will talk about food food and shelter those are all the essential things so food will be through we will be encouraging natural foraging by planting the selecting the right plants to support your fauna so we will go through plants to support birds like cockatoos and we will have that special guest speaker talking about black cockatoos specifically i will talk about honey eaters i'll talk about butterflies native bees you know what kind of plants you can select to support these creatures and then other things like logs and rocks and how wonderful yeah for reptiles as well so just raising awareness and 
about all and then we'll have a little walk into the botanic gardens to point out some of the, our favorite plants that uh, can work in your garden that will support fauna what are some of the smallest things you've seen on oh, the flowers? smallest things mm. oh look some of the native bees are tiny mm. so say for example on chenille uh, honey myrtle the melaleuca hugelii i've seen some tiny little native bees um also on the uh, conostylus candy cans uh, I've seen some tiny native bees or on the smoke bush they yeah. these are really all unusual um, flowering plants and native to endemic to WA and they do look after the tiny little things there's tiny little beetles tiny little jewel beetles as well yeah lots of little tiny critters Faye's grinning away in here. This is this is right up her I alley, just, right up her alley. And may I say, Let's Talk Gardening was sponsored today by Garden in a Bag, free delivery and a free bag of your product when buying six bags or more. Now, you've got some emails there, Faye. Cara. We have, Ray. Um, Diane from Rolly Stone has sent in, and her title is Home Garden Wedding. So she says, good morning, mm. ladies. Appreciate your chats regarding your garden wedding prep. I've got six weeks to go until our daughter's wedding and doing last cottage plantings this weekend and we'll spend the duration keeping everything alive. Love your energy to keep me focused. Now, Diane, I just have a, a little tip um, because having gone through this, one of the things I said to myself early on is get those things out of the way that you can do now you might have to do them again at the last minute, but things like wiping down the furniture, the cobwebs, because you don't want cobwebs for a wedding, dare I say, uh, cleaning furniture and windows. If you do them now, even if you don't get back to them, they're still going to look all right. Been done. Um, you mm. don't want to get to the week of the wedding no. and think, oh, I need to do this because it really does become a big, a big job. So doing the things early that, you would otherwise leave to the last minute because you'll be busy. Mm, um, other things. And if you want to add a bit more bling, last minute colour, wait until after the 38 degree day this week, mm. head out to your local nursery and look, look for potted colour. Mm. So if you've got any big pots, we painted uh, some cement pots that were all different colours. We painted them all the same limestone look colour with the texture and got a big pot to put in them and then just top that up with flowering annuals. So Mm. petunias, portulaca, anything that's going to go, you know, bring on the sun. Mm. Um, But, you know, I, I said to Kylie, I think there's a gap in the market for not being able to buy potted colour that is native, our own native plants. And I know it's out there. Mm. um, Yeah. But, why can't we have more of them? I'm sure people would buy them because people want something bright and they want it now. So maybe yeah. someone could start doing that. That would be great. Mm. But what else, Ray? Uh, Are you, have you powered through the emails? Or no, no. There's another one that's looking for ID and I'll have to come back to that. That's from Bev and Don. And a rose bush that is, uh, look, it is suffering. Mm. It's... It appears to be either in a terracotta pot in the ground in the middle of a lawn or it's got a terracotta ring around it. Yeah. Either way, that plant is is struggling. If it is in a pot, get it out of the ground. Mm. Have a look at its roots. It needs some fresh potting mix and a trim bag. And you, if you do that now, 
in six weeks you'll get new growth and you might get some flowers. But it's probably it's probably hungry and I would say it's thirsty. It's its roots are compromised. So you can do something that will help that. Same thing with a mango that's up at Denham in Shark Bay. It's tall and spindly. It's in a small pot. It needs a bigger pot. Yes, you could cut the top out of it to make it bush out. But honestly, you put that in a bigger pot and feed it and water it, you will probably get some more growth on that in the next short while. Okay. Thank you very, very much. All right. Just to wrap up, is there anything further that you'd like to ask Kylie whilst we're here, whilst we have this young lady in our presence? Well, I think it's an opportunity for people to get along to Kings Park and it's certainly a subject that I would love to sit in on. Me too. And, um, yeah, so can you book both of us in (laughs) leaving here 10 o'clock next Saturday? (laughs) Well, I'd love to see you there. We will have ongoing workshops during the year, again in spring, um, so look out on the website. Definitely there'll be more. Okay, well, thank you so much for your wisdom and experience and yeah trekking in to share with us and the listeners this morning appreciate and love to have you back again thanks for the opportunity i really enjoyed it no thank you and of course bev daring we've worked very hard and john glidden as well and they john works hard all week long not just today thank you guys now i have a few gardenisms for the morning now mine was very basic and quite shallow happiness is a green tomato turning red (laughs) And I think that a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, John sent me this during the week. The glory of gardening, hands in the dirt, head in the sun, heart with nature. To nurture a garden is to feed not just the body, but the soul. All very true. Now, coming up next, Jim Crinan with the classic 70s. Then we go country with Brendan T and Born in Boots from 12 noon. Look after yourselves, everyone. A very hot week, as you know. Uh, animals and gardens and yourself. Three priorities. Till next week, happy gardening. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.